Welcome to the Credible Nerds Podcast. We provide news, commentary, and reviews for all types of nerds, from the hardcore to the casual. What's up, my nerds? Welcome, everyone, to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin. I'm here with my fellow co-host and longtime Star Wars fan, Harry. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. Here talking The Bad Batch Season 2. So we are getting close to the end here, and we are on Episodes 13 and 14 of Season 2, The Bad Batch. Uh, 13 is called Pabu, and... 14 is the tipping point, so hopefully you've seen them by now. If not, this episode is full of spoilers, so spoiler alert. But first off, we'd like to invite you guys to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button right there um, underneath me and Harry. We'd really appreciate it. It doesn't cost you anything except a little bit of time, you know what, five seconds, and uh, helps us out a lot, so we'd appreciate that if you subscribe. If you like the video, if you like the reviews that we do, like them, comment on the video, say, hey, great commentary, I liked this part as well, I hated this part, uh, or you guys don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you guys are going to do better. So we appreciate all compliments and criticism because that just helps us get better and provide better content, which is our goal, right? We want to be someone that uh, you guys tune into and listen or watch, and we, we want that to happen. So let us know what you think. But here we are talking the Bad Batch. Um, the word filler episode, I guess the, the phrase filler episode gets thrown around a lot in in these shows, whether it's the Star Wars Disney Plus shows or, I don't know, The Last of Us or you know, all these streaming shows. There's always, there's always just a filler episode. <clears throat> Excuse me, nine times out of ten, I'm like, no, it's not a filler episode. It develops this. It develops that story point. It develops this character. Um, you can see why, you know, all this is going on, why they're doing this episode. Um, but I think this is one of those few exceptions where the majority of this episode is a filler episode. Um, I had a hard time with this first one, Pabu. Uh, first I thought, oh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but what I thought as the story went on, but, uh, with this opening sequence, I did like this first five to 10 minutes, whatever ends up being, What'd you think of how this episode started out, Harry? Um, with this opening sequence, I had yeah. high hopes. Yeah. I thought it was going to be great. It was uh, the beginning of a real cool adventure. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. <laughs> and it kind of stalled. But yeah, um, seems like with this character, Fee, was she introduced last season? I, I can't remember. I don't think she, she was. If she was, it was a brief, like, hey, who's that? But uh, she, from season two, episode one, she's been involved with this, you know, this uh, season. And here she shows up. And every time she shows up, shows up, we get this Indiana Jones vibe from her, right? Yeah, every time. Like, at that episode, definitely. Every time she's around, there's a vibe. Mm-hmm. So we definitely got that in this opening sequence. They uh, directly referenced, or I guess you can't directly reference it, but... Very um, in-your-face references to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, I, I looked on StarWars.com for some things that I was, you know, I just wanted to make sure and verify. But yeah, they even go so far as to name the club that they're in here, Club Lauche, which is a parody or a reference to in Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones is meeting with those people in club Obi-Wan, right? This is the name of the club that he's in. So there is a direct reference. Lao Che is the bad guy here at the beginning of, of Temple of Doom. So there's, you know, definitely a strong influence and we see it throughout this where they're meeting with these guys to purchase an artifact. And uh, as far as Fee goes, do you like this characterization of her? Like how they're portraying her as... This treasure hunter um, helping the Bad Batch out because she, she's nice. I don't know. What do you think about Fee as a character, Harry? 
up until this episode, I kind of had mixed feelings. I wasn't sure if she was good or bad. Um, she seemed like she had her own agenda all the time and uh, was just using the Bad Batch whenever she needed them to accomplish whatever she was doing, which was always kind of shady. And uh, she was never forthcoming about what was happening. Right. You know, she's always looking for some sort of treasure or some artifacts, but never disclosed why. And it just, there was a shadiness to her. And much like Sid, I didn't really trust her. Um, and then, of mm-hmm. course, it, it'll change a little bit in this episode. But it starts out kind of the same, right? She's got them there for muscle as she's making a deal with a not very good character. Mm-hmm. And I did like how they these uh, these contacts these I don't know gangsters whatever they were how they were drawn and voiced you know kind of the the way they were portrayed in this episode I thought it was really intriguing uh, I liked watching them um, so the contact is named Lance Crowder and they're negotiating price of a a small statue of it like a tree is what it looks like kind of a bonsai tree <laughs> what it reminds me of um <clears throat> but so it's uh fee and omega sitting there at the table negotiating a price uh, but the wrecker and hunters kind of they've also infiltrated the club and they're there posing as just patrons and hanging out in the background to make sure everything goes fine um but this guy crowder tries to double cross them and kill them with one of those cohoon worm caterpillar uh, centipede bugs that we first saw in attack of the clones when they tried to, uh, when Zam Wessel tried to kill and assassinate Padme, the same type of bugs. Um, we see a little more how it would actually do that with that stinger on the, on the, on his back. So that was cool to see that. But hunters, you know, kills the, the, the bug there, the Cahoon and, um, rescues him. And then all chaos breaks loose. And the the group's able to escape with the artifact. Uh, Echo's out. No, Tech, sorry. Tech's out to side with the ship, the Marauder, and is able to really get on and fly away. And, you know, I half expected, you know, I picked up on these Temple of Doom vibes pretty quickly. And I half expected, you know, the thing to fall on the ground. They were kicking it around, kind of like they did with that jewel in uh, Temple of Doom. And uh, and when it didn't, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's right. it. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Great opening sequence. Um, I think Bad Batch has done pretty well with these openings, these cold openings, as well as Mandalorian. Uh, but then they, whenever I'm starting to kind of catch on that whenever there's these great, exciting opening sequences, you kind of know the rest of the episode is going to be a snoozer. <laughs> At least that's what we've kind of picking up. I'm picking up on anyway. So, because it's happened a couple times in this with Bad Batch season two, as well as with Mandalorian. So, um, I and it kind of shows me that they recognize that this is a slower episode. I'm like, oh, we got to provide some excitement so that they're you know they don't walk away feeling disappointed about the whole episode. So it's kind of if they're that aware that it's going to be a slower episode why can't they just beef up the episode in the first place and make it more interesting overall, all throughout, instead of just the opening sequence? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it started out so strong. Um, the uh, Temple of Doom references are great. Um, there's even the, they try to get uh, Fee to drink some poison. Yeah, but yeah. Unlike Dr. Jones, you know, she yeah. doesn't trust these people at all and doesn't drink it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the cool fight scene. And, um, I mean, again, we see Omega kind of in the thick of things, making decisions. And she's the one that shoots down the big chandelier thing that traps traps Crowder and mm-hmm. kind of enables their getaway. But, uh, and then it just, the whole thing kind of downshifts for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, the next sequence is they're on their ship and they get a message from Sid and it seems like it makes it official that they've kind of broken off from Sid. They're not working with her anymore and she's mad about it. And this is a, a clue to what happens in the later on in the season, but this is the kind of the beginning of the end for their interactions with Sid. Uh, well, I guess it's more than the beginning. It's <laughs> the end of the end 
they're not, you know, they're not working together anymore. And I was glad to see that. I mean, I think Sid played a great part. I like the character of Sid. I felt that she's Rhea Rhea Perlman did a great job of voicing her and she's well written. Uh, She's just, you know, she's a side character and kind of had, she's run her course and it's time to, to move on. And I think, so I'm glad to see that they're doing that at this point. And the, uh, um, she's kind of run her course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they're not dragging it out. And then, but did end it with some veiled threats there, right? She's, yeah. uh, she's not happy that she's losing her, her muscle, her, her go-to guys at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she kind of, you know, kind of foreshadows. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to regret this. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I don't see why she's mad because we've talked about this in past episodes where they don't really fulfill a lot of their missions. <laughs> they, they often fail. <laughs> so she's like, if she was an uh, employer and these were her employees, which essentially this is how it works for them, you know, she would fire them because they're like, hey, well, you guys aren't doing your job. I'm not getting any, I'm giving you all these things to these missions to accomplish and you're not cashing in on them. I'm not getting as much, you know, I should be getting more money than what you're, you're doing. So I think, I don't see why she's mad. I think it's a good opportunity for both of them to move on. She's also the queen of terrible Intel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every mission she sent them on is, has really underestimated any threats mm-hmm. and overestimated the chances of success right from the get go. I mean, she sends them after a treasure with an entire battalion of clones hanging out there <laughs> yeah. and then gets mad when they don't come back with treasure. Yeah. Um, or, or the episode with the Zillow Beasts. Yeah. Same thing. It's like she has no idea what might be on the ship and what is there almost kills them. And then she's like, you screwed up. And like, really? Yeah. <laughs> who, who screwed up here? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, if you were to compare the Zillow Beast episode to the Rancor Monster episode where they – they do capture the monster. They bring it back. Can you imagine them bringing back the Zilla Beast to sit? <laughs> and just like how bad that would turn out for her. And oh, it just geez. destroys her her tavern and kill, probably kills her. <laughs> destroys the tavern, kills her, eats the city. Yeah. And then it's running rampage over an entire planet. And Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So I think it's a good break for sure. But for some reason, she's bothered by it. She's mad. But... Um, uh, and then this thing during this sequence, Fee kind of tells the Bad Batch, "Hey, Omega's she's learning how to fight really good. She's getting good at that, but she needs stuff. She's just a kid. She needs to learn other skills that are like normal skills and have friends to hang out with and stuff." And they're like, "Huh? <laughs> they're like, what? What's that? That's not how we grew up." <laughs> Which, I mean, you can see why they do that because they trained from birth basically to be soldiers. So that's how they're treating Omega. Uh, then Fee decides to take them back to her. I don't know if it's her planet, but she definitely has been there before. And that's where they take the artifact. They arrive and there's this museum there, right? Um, the Archeum, I think is what it's called. They meet her friends, the mayor of Pabu, Shep, and Shep's daughter, Lyanna, which happens to be the same age as Omega, <laughs> coincidentally. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a fresh start and I like the, I, I do like the idea of a Pabu, uh, for the Bad Batch, but as this episode kind of went on, I was thinking, Hmm, what are they doing here? Is this the, like the end? Cause this is a, a scene or a episode where you get where they're done. They're going to retire. So they go to a planet like this and kind of live off, live out the rest of their lives in peace. Right. So right. I was like, well, I know that's not the case because we still got more episodes after this. So they're not going to stay there. And there's probably going to be another season. It hadn't been announced at the time, but now their season three has been announced. Um, so I thought maybe they would, as this uh, episode went on, I thought maybe there'd be like a time jump that they would stay there for a year or two years. And then the next episode would be like, now let's visit the Bad Batch again and there's a new threat and they got to come out of retirement. That was kind of the vibe I was getting. 
as this episode went on. What about for you, Harry? Did you have any thoughts like that or different thoughts? Uh, like, what were you thinking as this episode was going on? Um, yeah, I was the same thing. I was confused a little bit because this seems like a retirement place, right? Yeah. They can fi- finally take off their armor, they can wear some sandals, <laughs> go fishing, lay by the beach. Yeah. Um, wreckers full for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like a great place to settle down, but it, like you said, it's not the end of the season. Yeah. We don't even know if it's the end of the series. Yeah. So how do they, um, how do they retire at this point? Um, I would have liked to see that kind of time jump too. Like all of them, like wearing normal clothes, mm-hmm. doing their things. And all of a sudden a threat shows up and they're, you know, running back to their house, digging through a trunk, mm-hmm. pulling out their armor, looking for weapons and, and, and going back to war um, after, you know, a, a couple of years. That would have been very interesting. Yeah. Um, Omega is a couple years older, more experienced. Right. Um, that would have been would have been kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only thing, the only other thing is, is this is that redeeming moment for Fee here, right? Where she's not just a treasure hunter for profit. Mm-hmm. She's actually one of the good people in the galaxy that's trying to uh, preserve relics of fallen societies and civilizations. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because um, like you said... You know, who is Fee? Is she, we didn't really trust her at first. I, I felt the same way. And then here we find out, oh, we can trust her. Um, she takes in the Bad Batch, is looking out for Omega, her interests. So we realize, hey, she's, you know, she's not a Sid where we need to watch our back all the time. And, and even Shep, um, I think he makes a reference, you know, this is a place for uh, lost souls, mm-hmm. um, people that don't have a home anymore. Um, I kind of thought possibly that he was a nod to the show Firefly, um, in uh, Shepherd book with his name, Shep. And he's kind of this, almost a preacher man, you know, he's a, he's a good soul and a, a protector of people around him. Um, because he seems like, you know, he really has their best interests at heart and, um, he's very welcoming. Um, so there was this total opportunity for them to retire but I was just like, well, wait, are you going <laughs> to retire? Already? Is the rest of the Bad Batch uh, a fishing show? <laughs> yeah. Out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So as the show goes on, they're very content. Like you said, the record's full. Hunters, even Hunter's like, hmm, we could stay here. This could work. You know, they're, he's even thinking that. And he's the most cautious of them all, the most jaded of them all, right? So Tech, he's him and Fee apparently have some relationship that's been by this episode. It seems like it's been developing at least a, a stronger friendship. I don't know about a relationship, but as this episode goes on, they st- they're kind of flirting with each other a little bit, and you get the sense that they're a couple, right? So even every- if Tech doesn't realize it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's more. At least in the beginning, it's more um, <clears throat> fee pushing it than he is. So, yeah, it's like they're they're gonna stay there for a while. Then the threats of a there's a there's constant or frequent earthquakes, and there's in the episode there's a big one, uh, and that causes a tsunami, which happens at the same time that uh, Omega and Lyanna are on a boat. In the ocean, so a tsunami's coming. The, everybody's is evacuated up to the high ground, and um, Tech rescues Omega, Lyanna, and Urza Hunter. Anyway, they're they're rescued, brought back to the <clears throat> the high ground as well, and everybody's safe. And that's pretty much the episode, right? Um, yeah, that's it. So not a lot happens really overall. But we're left, you know, it's this moment of tranquility, despite the, the tsunami, uh, they're thinking about just staying there. And then that's kind of the, the vibe we're left with. There's, there's not even like, a, a lot of times when there's a moment like that, uh, because if you're watching a, a TV show and the characters are happy, you know, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> right. Someone's going to die or something's going to blown up or something, you know, everything's going to change. 
which he kind of does after this, but you know, the, you just can't have happy people in TV shows. There's always going to be some conflict or tragedy, but usually at the end of the episodes, there's like this, Oh, then this happens and then it's over. So you kind of get at the end of it, you get the sense of impending doom, but we didn't even get that. And so we're just left thinking, Oh, okay. Everything's hunky dory. So overall this episode, some good things, but most of it, I would probably say 60 to 70%. I wasn't really feeling it. Didn't really appreciate. I, I appreciate it because all the, the small thing, not small things, but all the, the things like, uh, animation, voice acting direction is amazing as always. So you can't help but like it on some level. <clears throat> and it was the first time there was some hope for normalcy mm-hmm. and just Omega to have a chance to not live in a starship and to have a friends and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But like you said, you know, we can't go on without conflict. So you knew it wasn't going to last. Um, but you know, at the end they've decided to stay at least long enough to help them rebuild. Yeah. Because they have skills and abilities and, yep. and it's just a place to kind of hang out for a little bit. Yeah. And when we when we see them next in the next episode, they they are seem, things seemed more cleaned up. Um, they've been working on so it's at least a, a few weeks, if not longer, has passed in between this episode and the next episode. Tipping point. At least that's the the what I took away from it. But so looking back on Pabu, what do you think the purpose of this episode was? Because they made a conscious effort to tell this story um other than pointing at a possible happy place for them to land at the very end of the series um or to give them a place that uh, some enemy can use as leverage Mm. because now they have this connection to these people and it is a place that they've thought about staying for the first time ever Mm -hmm. um if someone discovers that and puts it under threat, that would give them impetus to, you know, to, to fight or to come out of hiding. If at some point they're, you know, in deep cover. Yeah. Um, but also someone have to discover that they have this connection. Um, so I, I don't really know, um, redeeming fee, um, and showing her that she's a good person, not a bad person in contrast to Sid, Maybe she'll come back later and we'll give them, you know, reason to trust her. Mm-hmm. Um, if she pops up later in, you know, sometime in, in season three. Um, if not, I don't know other than uh, some filler episode. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't, didn't know where else to go and um, but wanted, you know, 16 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's, that was my thoughts on it as well. It's like, this is going to be the retirement place where they go at the end of next season, which has been announced that season three will be the last season. Uh, so I can see them retiring here or hiding out here, whatever you want to call it for the rest of their lives. Um, other than that, yeah, it's just a filler episode, kind of a place to relax, but I don't know if we needed a whole episode for that. But um, <clears throat> I think there'll be, I think it, it better pop up because then it won't be, it'll be less of a filler episode if that happens because then it brings, you know, meaning to this episode if it pops up later in some capacity. Yeah, I guess it could be their home away from home, right? Mm-hmm. Now that they're not returning to Sid's place, um, this is a place where they come to, to, you know, to R&R in between missions. Oh, yeah. So we'll see it briefly, you know in the next season here and there. And then possibly that, you know, that last send off where, you know, they hide the ship someplace else and they're in flip flops mm-hmm. and, and not wearing armor for the first time since we met them. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. So then the next episode, the tipping point picks up. It actually starts with a different, the opening is a different storyline but it's around the same time, right? <clears throat> As what we saw at the end of Pabu. Uh, the opening scene is 
clone prisoners are being transported uh, in a ship from one, I think it's Balmora, um, from one planet to another. And the other planet is going to be um, Wayland, which is where Mount Tantus is. So uh, we've heard Balmora before in in the Star Wars galaxy previous reiteration, I think previous uh, animated episodes, but we've never been there. This is the first time we actually see it. So they're transporting these prisoners via ship and kind of the same attitude. The stormtroopers are pushing them around. The Imperial officer like, uh, you guys are stupid or you guys are worthless. Your Imperial property. We're taking you to this new planet. <clears throat> so, and the prisoner, um, we've seen before. Let's see. Maybe look up there. Do you have their names written down? Uh, at least one of them was Hauser. Yeah. Hauser we saw in the Clone Wars, I believe. Um, and then the other one. Here. There's like three of them, right? Hauser and two others is my notes. Mm-hmm. So let me look it up here. Because it was interesting. It. Uh, they all look the same, right? So you have to go by their <laughs> their names. And when I read their names, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. So I want to bring it up. But, um, yeah, Hauser from Season 1 uh, episode of the Clone Wars episode, uh, Rescue on Ryloth, which was a great um, story arc there. And then Gregor, we've met him before, and he was in uh, Season 1 episode, War Mantle. So we haven't seen them for a while, and they're showing up here, so that's pretty cool. They brought them back. Uh, so they're being, and then the other one I don't think was named. At least I didn't pick up on it. Well, there was Hauser and two others. Gregor was with Echo, right? Oh, was he? Did I, am I reading it wrong? Maybe. Okay. I'm, or maybe I've got it wrong, because I have another name, Nemec. Okay. That could be it. Um, that was Gregor, Echo, and Nemec um, were the rescue party, and then it was Hauser and two others that I don't have names for, so I don't know if they were named or not. Okay. Yeah, Hauser and, and Gregor are part of Echo's squad. So, yeah, you're right. The prisoners were other names. Yeah, so they're being transported uh, from the planet Balmora, and uh, Echo shows up with his rescue squad, and they have a pretty cool ship, right? They come in. Uh, first thing they do is take out the hyperspace drives, the hyperdrives, so they can't jump. And then they come in, and they're able to have a ship that splits off, kind of like a side ship, and there's able to attach and they're able to infiltrate it that way as well. And, um, they, they go to the bridge, take over the bridge. They, they, their company splits up. The other guys go to release the prisoners. They're able to break them free. But at the same time, uh, they they come in, they stun all, well, they kill all the troopers, right? They don't have that stun gun thing going on. They kill all the stormtroopers. Which, as this sequence was happening, I'm like, again, what is the purpose of Stormtrooper armor? It does nothing. It doesn't resist laser bolts. Yeah. Um, I mean, because if we go back to Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. Um, Ewoks beat him to death with <laughs> Ewoks, sticks even. and clubs and rocks and yeah. arrows. And the armor doesn't do a whole lot of anything. Yeah. Which I guess is why Palpatine wants the Zillabees to make better armor. <laughs> true uh, but you think I don't know just I think by, I would think by now they would fix that or at least explained it like well at least in the beginning it was strong and it worked but as the war went on and resources went thin or Palpatine just didn't care anymore you know the armor deteriorated or over time or you know something that would right. have some explanation but come on um, it's just so obvious, but anyway, uh, they get to the bridge, they're downloading the data, they're talking to the Imperial officer, 
He's like, well, we'll just get the rest from you because they had started to delete the data and uh, Echo could only get some of, so much off it. They're like, well, we'll get the rest of it from you then. And then he pulls the the trick where he bites down on the, the EMP molar, I guess, and fries his brain and he dies. And we've been seeing that a lot lately, right? So we saw it in Mandalorian. We've seen it in this show before. Um, There's but, some really hardcore fanatics. Yeah. And the, when that happened, it brought me back to the one episode where uh, we had that guy, the assassin guy, right? I think it was the believer. Uh, he was like, um, I believe in this cause. And so, you know, I don't, I can't remember the wording, but he was willing to die for his cause, but we didn't know what the cause was. But he killed himself the same way, right? Do you yeah, remember that part? These guys are heavily indoctrinated. Um, yeah. So are these, is he, he was working for Rampart, right? And these guys are working for the Empire as well. So do you think it's just an Imperial thing that we're willing to die for the Empire while you guys aren't? I I don't know. Is it that simple or is there more going on here? There are layers. I don't know. I mean, I would, I would have to say that there's, there's something more going on. Um, because as dedicated as the clone troopers have always been, like they're willing to die for the Republic, right? Mm-hmm. But they were never suicidal. Yeah, yeah. This is another level of fanaticism that we haven't seen yet, and it's almost like, are these people being brainwashed? Mm-hmm. Um, is is there some kind of mental conditioning going on, um, where they're willing to to kill themselves versus be tortured or reveal information? Mm-hmm. Um, you know the Kaminoans aren't don't seem to be involved anymore, so it's not like there's another another class of of biological chips mm-hmm. that's controlling these people. So there's there's some other layer of of control um, of these people control because yeah. it's 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 beyond training, right? So, yeah. And it, there's a fear there, right? They're like, I'd rather kill myself than be captured by you, because then if I'm captured by you and reveal what I know, then I'm really in trouble, right? They're like, right. they're afraid of something. They're, they're very afraid. Uh, we don't know what that is. Well, and I mean, in, in this, this little sequence here before this Imperial officer kills himself, like, you know, when the ship's being captured, he's like, initiate protocols, erase the data banks. Whatever they have is bad. Right. And they don't want the general public knowing anything about it. So they don't want anybody knowing it. Yeah. And um, this isn't the first time, right? Anytime whoever's related to this doctor and, and Tantris and Wayland and all that, it's always delete this data. Yeah. Get rid of it. Dump it. Um, yeah. What, whatever we're doing is so bad, we can't have other people finding out about it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because the Empire is controlled by Sidious slash Palpatine and Tarkin invader and so it's it's not like they could leak it to some the holonet news and they'd report on it and everybody would rise up in an insurrection because it would get stamped out before it even got to that part that point right once someone found out oh the news has it the empire would just come down and annihilate those those guys but at this point the the senate is still maybe not you know, they are still around, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. emperor has not disbanded the Senate yet. Right. So he's going to have all kinds of problems from these, you know, senators that maybe are on the sidelines mm-hmm. that aren't actively resisting him, like uh, um, Bale and, and uh, Mon Motha and a few of the others are. Uh-huh. And, you know, something like this might be a tipping point, hence the title, mm, yeah. um, where... Uh, the opposition to Palpatine would get enough ammunition that they're like, Hey, look, this guy's bad news. We need to, you know, vote him out of office. The, the emergency's over and, and we need new leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's afraid that's, uh, that, that any information about whatever he's doing is that powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Because it isn't until, they disband the Senate in episode four that they feel like they can finally enact their plan, you know, op- activate the Death Star, you know, and that's 19 years after 
the empire or yeah, the empire is formed. Right. So yeah, I think there is still some threat of the the emperor being overthrown or somehow the empire being dissolved or overthrown maybe, but I don't know what that would be. I guess if you have thousands of star systems with billions of people, they could do something, right? They, if they banded together, they would still be able to overcome the empire. Um, and that would mean that that's, this information is so bad that, like you said, it would cause people to react that way and rebel. And, and at this point, the, the clone troopers, right, are still a fairly major force. Yeah. Some of them are kind of at the in the waning days of their their career and their prime, but they're all out there. So if it does hit the hollow nets, mm-hmm. and you have the clone troopers and mass rise up before the stormtrooper corps has been trained up and staffed fully. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have a huge army that can can um, fight back against the empire if you get them at this point before more stuff happens and yeah so maybe that's the threats mm-hmm. yeah i like i can buy that i like that theory so okay yeah i wonder i hope they reveal they I mean at some point they're gonna have to reveal what this information is or else uh, i mean i guess they don't have to but it was sure would be interesting and create some great drama and create some, some great storytelling for sure, because it's been a, a theme this whole season so far, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime uh, someone's about to be compromised, they either kill themselves or they do a data dump. And so we don't know what's in this background, but it's obviously ominous. Mm-hmm. And I think we get a hint of that, of this information in the next episode, right? With that council that's meeting with Tarkin yes. and yes. Um, Krennic and... Dr. Hemlock and the other guys. But right. even even then, we don't really know what it is outside of the Death Star. Right, because everything's kind of, it's code words. Yeah. How's your project going? <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's not a lot of, have you recruited one billion stormtroopers yet? Yeah. Um, you know, is the Death Star ready to blast? Um, yeah. it, it's, it's all kind of, it's shadows and whispers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, th- I think they'll expand on that next season. And if not, if there's another animated series after this, I'm sure that'll be, it better be a big part of that story. So, oh, what's, um, I, I didn't notice at the time, um, watching this episode, but now having watched last week's episode of The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. you almost have this Shadow Council, mm-hmm. like operating behind the Senate and even like behind the rest of the Imperium. Yeah. It's some, some, um, uh, just, a very few select moths or, or, and other, um, well, because you've got two scientists, right? Um, and uh, maybe a couple of officers mm-hmm. that are all doing the, the real dirty work of Palpatine. Yeah. Um, without the knowledge of the greater em, uh, empire. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting if this was kind of the impetus of that Shadow Council. Like this was the start of it. And I can I can see how it would how it could be and it would evolve to what we saw in the Mandalorian post return of Jedi. It could have continued to exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them survived their various, uh, you know, Krennic obviously will die eventually. Tarkin will die. Vader will die. Um, and even Palpatine will die. But if others survive, um, and they're the real, um, strength behind the empire, they're not going to give up their power. Oh no, yeah, and would of course um, explain how the first order, you know, got on its feet so fast after yeah. the fall of the empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great stuff. Um, they were able to rescue the prisoners and hyper hyper jump, jump to light speed. But the next time we see them, they're they're on Coruscant level thirteen thirteen in the Martez sisters garage with uh, Senator Chuchi and uh, these rescued clones are talking to Chuchi about what happened. And there are several, there's other clones that are there, other clones that were taken off world and never returned, you know, so he's kind of describing the situation to Chuchi so she can 
hopefully do something about it in the Senate, you know, do something, take legal action against this, what's going on. Um, which is another great subplot, right? Um, we saw it a little bit, um, the beginnings of her motivations earlier in the season with, uh, was it clone conspiracy that episode? Yeah. Yeah. Where she was trying to fight for the rights of the clones, have them retire right. with benefits and all that stuff. And she uncovered and even this plot that's been going on. And, and this is a, a character where, you know, at this point, we really wonder what happens to her, right? Yeah. We don't see her in Rogue One. We don't see her in Episode Four. Um, so does that foreshadow her demise in Season 3 of uh, Bad Batch? Or uh, is I just... I think at this point, there's more organization than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And there are plans for these characters. Characters because she's shown up too many times now just to like never show her again yeah. and not finish her story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious where what happens to her eventually. Yeah, I can see there see them using her in future series, right? I think she definitely teams up with Mon Mothma and she's already teamed up with um, Bail Organa, right? So right. She, she's going to be part of that group. Yeah, she's she's right in the inner circle of the, mm-hmm. the 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 beginnings of the rebellion. Yeah, and and has all of the the attributes and qualities and the the willingness to fight behind the scenes and and to uh, stand up for the little guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So where does she go? Yeah, she kind of reminds me of Padme in a lot of ways, and I think if Padme were to have survived and still remain. Uh, maintained being a senator, I think we would see Senator Chuchi. You know, we she would be in Chuchi's role right now. So I think right. she's the kind of the, the replacement for Padme and what she would have done if she would have survived. That's the impression I'm getting from her, her character at this point. Yeah, I think that she's uh, she's important, and uh, yeah. they better take care of her. And yeah, continue to give her some good roles. Yeah. And obviously, she wasn't in the original trilogy because <laughs> it was written 40 years ago. Right. Uh, but in Rogue One even, no, I think, no, she was existed before Rogue One, but I don't think they had her story planned out like this. Probably not, right. So I think now is the time they could retcon stuff, right? She, right. She could have been alive at the time of Rogue One. Even she could have been one of the senators that got disbanded in episode four. You know, so I don't think, I think she can still be around f- for a while, you know. Right. I hope she yeah, is. Yeah, just because, I mean, Rogue One had a, as big as the cast was, it was still distinct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she could have been off doing something else that's easily retcons. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, so it would be, she's another character. I want to see her jump to live action, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they totally could, too. Have her show up in one of these, these series that are set beyond, um, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could be in the New Republic doing something. Uh, really old Juchi coming back to um, to uh, interact with Rey. Mm. Mm, yeah. Okay. Come on, Disney. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from there, uh, we go back to Mount Tantus on... Uh, we meet Dr. Hemlock. He's meeting with Crosshair, and he wants Intel and Clone Force 99. He wants Omega, and he thinks Crosshair can tell him where where to find them. And when he says, I don't know where they are, I think that's the truth. <laughs> right. Because they're not talking anymore. And um, they met Sid after their break, after, you know, after they split. Mm-hmm. Um, we had never seen her before, uh, so there's there's no reason to to think that that Crosshair had ever been with them when they had gone there and done something on that world. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, uh, there's an um, an important part here was when um, they were taking him to see Doctor Hemlock. He left his cell right and went to that interrogation cell, yeah. and as he's walking, he's seeing other clones mm-hmm. in cells. So. Now he knows he's not alone. 
and whatever's going on is is against more clones and um, this is just more ammunition for his little his personal hatred of imperial officers treating clones like garbage yeah yeah it gives us some more motivation for sure uh, so they bring in the IT zero interrogator interrogator droid that we saw we've been seeing throughout uh, the saga, and uh, we didn't see we don't see what happens. We just kind of see the droid pull up next to him, and he starts twitching while Hemlock's standing in front of the droid. So we don't really know what's going on, but there's a big needle. I don't think we've ever seen like how it, how it works, right? Because with <laughs> no. episode four, the droid comes in, and you're like, oh no, a big needle, and then the door closes. <laughs> so I wonder. It's, yeah, it's always like you see the big needle, then <laughs> a door closes or it fades out. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder if they're just doing that as a like inside joke by now. It's like we're not going to show you because it's so mysterious. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's just a big needle. That's all you need to know. So, um, this but conversation is pretty interesting though. Because yeah. Hemlock like tells him right, I don't care that you shot that guy. Um, I thought that showed initiative. Yeah. And, and then he offers him the clean slate. Right. And he's just yeah. like you know, you can be free to go. All you got to do is tell me where Clone Force 99 is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you trust him? You know, does Crosshair, is he going to trust him? Yeah. I think uh, Crosshair is smarter than that. And I, I think he's probably still got some doubts about Cody, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, but it was just kind of an interesting exchange there where uh, Hemlock doesn't even seem to care if Imperial officers get killed. Yeah. He's a dark individual. Oh, yeah. He's like worst, worst of the worst, like psychotic type. So yeah. He used to work for the Republic in the advanced science division, but he, like you said, he was so twisted and bad that they kicked him out. Right. His experiments were just crazy. So it sounds like, <clears throat> and now he's back working for the Empire. Right. Because they're scooping up the worst of the worst and putting him into positions of power. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I want to see his story. I hope they do a flashback or at least have some dialogue about who this guy is. You know. Oh, for sure. So I think we got a closet serial killer here. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, he definitely pulled the wings off of some grasshoppers when he was a kid. <laughs> so, But, yeah, I think uh, Crosshair is 75% truthful. It's like, I don't know where they're at. But then uh, Hemlock's like, well, you know how they work, so tell me how they work. And he's like, nope. <laughs> That's when he shuts up. Right. So. And after Hemlock leaves, they start doing the torture stuff, and they cut some other stuff and come back, and he's laying there. <clears throat> and he takes advantage of a situation where uh, they pause the, the torture, the interrogation, and... Um, the troopers, he, one of them puts down his gun and Crosshair is able to grab it and shoot him. And then he, he wants uh, this doctor, I forget her, Emery wants her key card so he can escape. She tries to talk him out of it and then he stuns her and, and leaves. So, and he goes to a communication room and sends out a distress call so that the Bad Batch will, his friends will, uh, get it. And he, he talks about, he's only able to get out plan 88. You have to hide before they shut it down. Um, then they pump some gas in there and he is knocked unconscious and taken back to the interrogation place, interrogation room. So he's, he's at least able to get that out. Um, and, and of course we don't know, right? What is plan 88? This yeah. is obviously some code that they've, uh, uh, they've arranged or used in the past. Yeah. And yep. that they've got their own, uh, uh, own, I don't know, their, their codes and plans that are only known to, to, you know, Clone Force 99. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then it cuts to Pabu. Uh, we, we revisit the, the Bad Batch again. They're just hanging out. They're doing the rebuilding. Uh, Wrecker's fishing. Uh, Omega's flying the ship, learning how to fly better and pulling these crazy moves <laughs> with Echo, or rather Tech, just holding on for dear life. <laughs> so 
So they're living the good life, right? Like we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah, they really are. They're enjoying themselves. They're happy. <laughs> so, but Rick part of... Showing off his muscles, picking things up and putting them down. And yeah. He's a simple man. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having a good time. And then Echo shows up. Yep. So when they're visiting with Chuchi, they talked about, uh, well, we got the data, but it's encrypted. So we need to you know, get it un- unencrypted. And Echo's like, I know a guy. So <laughs> they reach out to, to tech and they're like, yeah, we got some information. we got some intel we need help with. So they, they come on in and we, we see the reunion of Omega and Echo and how she missed them and I'm happy to see him and stuff. So that was cool. Echo's back with the team, but they are able to go in and start encrypting it. And, um, they find out kind of the bare bones of the mission. Plus tech is able or Echo's able to kind of explain what happened with their rescue mission. But basically they're taking these clones somewhere, but they don't know where that part wasn't, um, had been deleted or wasn't available. So, but they did find out that um, Crosshair had been captured. So then this is the first time they realized, hey, why did Crosshair get, you know, imprisoned by the Empire? Did he rebel against them? You know, what's going on here? It was kind of, they were surprised about this. So Right, because last they knew, he was fully in the Imperial camp. Yeah, he was one of their number one guys. So, and so then uh, Tech looks up some like I forget how he phrased it but he's able to access their using his number access the their communication channels and finds out that they he had sent this message plan 88 which plan 88 they they know and they mention uh the seeker right right and so I don't. I don't think we really know what that means. I don't. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't see anything about it. It's just Planet Eight, the Seeker, and. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So. But it piques their interest. Yep. And it's like it's almost like nobody else would know that. Mm-hmm. Right. This is something that they wouldn't have been able to find out any other way. So it definitely had to come from Crosshair. Yeah. So they know it's from him, but they're like, is it a trap? Is it, he's really in trouble. We got to help him out. And, you know, they have questions. Is, uh, at one point, um, Echo was talking with Hunter. Right. And Hunter tells him like, hey, we're going to stay here. You know, our war is finished. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, Echo's talking about know this greater rebellion and, and what's going on and um hunter says the empire is, is a powerful opponent that can't be defeated mm-hmm. um and it's kind of uh you know it's kind of his final word right to echo but then when he finds out that crosshair is is in prisons and then sent this code he kind of flips a switch on him right and now he's like well maybe <laughs> we aren't done yeah we gotta rescue our brother it's about the brothers and here we also, in this episode, we learn about how Echo has been building up a network of clones with, with Captain Rex. That's kind of, you know, the, we had the one episode where he left and like, me and Echo, or me and uh, Rex are going to go, we got a higher purpose. and We're going to do this thing. And they don't really explain what it is. But here we find out that's what he's been doing, building up this network. And what the network is or does, I don't think they really reveal it or talk about it much, but I get it's... I get the impression it's kind of like rebel cells, like we see later in in um, Star Wars Rebels, where there's all these different cells scattered throughout the galaxy, um, doing their own thing, their own rebellions at that time. So maybe it's s- something similar to that. Um, who knows? Well, we know at least one of the things they're doing is rescuing clones. True. Yeah. Um, uh, imp- there seems to be. Um, at least a couple of prisons or jails where clones that are uh, defective, I guess, in the eyes of the Empire are being held. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of tracking them and, and rescuing them when they're being transferred off worlds. Great. Hey. Shh. 
Hey. You're okay. Someone knocked on the door probably. All right. So say that last part again. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, the rescuing the clones. Oh, so we know at least that that's what Echo and at least one of the things that Echo and Captain Rex are up to is rescuing these clones that are being transferred or, or being held in, in various places. Um, clones that are obviously speaking up, acting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that the Empire is done with. Um, the ones that might be thinking kind of along the lines that you know Echo and Rex and, and the Batch are all about. Um, so that's at least one thing that they're doing if they're not totally involved with this rebellion that's already starting. Yeah. Yeah, I I think they were key in getting Cody out of there, right? I would imagine. Because he Cody said, I didn't he say I have a contact or was that someone else? Maybe I'm conflating episodes here. Well, there was the one... Um, I can't think of the episode name. There was one who said, I have a contact um, before the sniper guy got him, the assassin. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that was a different um, episode. But it, it's, um, if he's got a contact, right, it seems like there's a lot of these clones. Are, someone's giving them information, saying, hey, like, if things get bad, here's a person you can contact. This is a person that can get you help. Right. Uh, you know, Rex is very trusted. He's well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just his name would give them, uh, hope, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of work going on in the background that we don't know about and they haven't really indicated yet. Rex has been busy. Yeah. I hope they reveal what that is. Maybe that's the, the framework for the next animated series after this one. So... Because Rex goes from being like this, uh, you know, like rebel cell leader, right? Now to um, in Rebels, where they're just hiding out on a backwater world. Yeah. Just literally trying to hide from the Empire. Yeah. And and not be involved. Mm hmm. Um, and I honestly can't remember who the whole group was. It was him uh, and Wolf, and it might have even been Gregor. Yeah, it was Gregor. Yes, Gregor was one of them. So a few of these characters that were involved in, in these episodes right here um, are going to be together, you know, years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they're going to, they have to tell that story between what happened, you know, how it ends up here at the end of this series uh, and how it how we see them, how we meet them again in, in Rebels, right? Because like you yeah. said, that's a big change from, hey, we're involved, we're making changes, we, we're defying the Empire, we're fighting against the Empire, like they... To, you know, they attacked a ship and rescued people, right? So right. they're heavily involved to just, like you said, hiding out. There's a lot, you know, time-wise, it's like at least 15 years, 14, 15 years. But, you know, what else, what has happened during that that time? There's a lot of good story content there, I bet. That would make a great series. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the clones, right? It's, it's what all the clones are doing from now until... Until they all pass away, um, you know, because they're accelerated aging and all that, so they're not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's some great stories. This one is a big one to go from actively fighting to very actively hiding. Yeah. Yep. Maybe a second Clone War, like we kind of talked about off mic. Right. I'm not convinced that's, I think it's a good theory if you haven't heard it. Um, but um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not convinced that's the case. But we'll see. Um, so yeah, I th- they they capture uh, Crosshair again. Um, so he's he's kind of brought back. Uh, they talk about the other bad batchers talk about rescuing him, but it might be a trap. Um, I think that's how this episode ends, right? Yeah, because even Omega, I think, you know, they're talking, it could be a trap. Do we risk it? And Omega's like, he's family. Yeah. You know, like, we, we have to try. Mm-hmm. And then the end is Crosshair being questioned again by Hemlock, defiantly not saying a word, 
and then my last note is uh, creepily hemlock smiles because uh, <laughs> he's just got that like yeah. that serial killer smile there where he's just he likes to torture people uh-huh. he's bad yep yep um, and he's one the guy of the darker to... go ahead darker characters they've ever written yeah yeah because I mean you got Darth Vader who's one of the you know best bad guys ever in the history of cinema and storytelling definitely top five and he's done some bad things right sure. killed, killed younglings killed thousands of, I don't know about thousands but a lot of people Jedi brought about the the formation of helped bring about the formation of the Empire but this guy's like worse than Vader yeah he's like <laughs> up close and personal evil yeah so Vader has a, a it, well Vader's Vader right he's terrifying and everything he does is, is to further the empire but he doesn't take pleasure in it he just kills people right mm-hmm. tell me what you I want to know or you're going to die Yeah. or tell me what you're going to know and then you're going to die where um, Hemlock's like I'm going to keep you alive as long as possible and this is going to be terrible for you Mm-hmm. Because uh, Emery even says that to Crosshair at one point in one of these episodes, it's like it's going to be easier if you cooperate. Mm-hmm. She she's seen things, right? She knows how Hemlock is, and he's he's kind of evil on a different level. Yeah. So this episode is called the tipping point, and we brought up a possible explanation for that. Any other thoughts on the tipping point? Is it just for the Bad Batch? They. You know, they're kind of finally got to a point where they can be happy, found their, their groove, their place. So the tipping point would be, well, we got to go rescue Crosshair and the other guys. Is that the tipping point or is there another explanation? Is it more galaxy-wide? What do you think? I think, um, I think it works on multiple levels. I think definitely they were decided to stay, they're happy, and they're tipped right back into the, the bigger war. Mm-hmm. But it's also this this point of no return for the clones where the, um, the Empire is done with them and it's going to use them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, nobody cares. Um, or the few people that do are having trouble making anybody else care. Yeah. Um, and it's a tipping point um, in that it's going to ignite the rebellion at the same time. Because um, the rebellion is quite, um, what's the word? Uh, they're trying to do it through legal means at this point. Yeah. No well, one's stockpiling weapons mm-hmm. or you know buying X wings yet. They're still trusting the system. Um, and um, you know when this evidence comes up, and all of this, this well, whatever Hemlock's up to, whatever this. This, I'm going to call them, you know, this this other shadow council. These plans that they have, if all of this information is made public, this is the tipping point, right? Mm-hmm. Or to me. So I think there's there's several several things here in this episode that could point to a tipping point. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so so much good stuff in this episode, right? Even if it's just the things we've talked about that haven't really happened, like the shadow council, it's not defined, but we're like, you know, equating it to what we saw in other shows and be like, Oh, and there's so much just to talk about that. Right. Each, each scene almost has its own story outside of the story that we just watched so much background, rich background information in this, in this episode. Yeah. It's going to, provide fodder for discussion and other episodes and and stories because there's so much stuff coming together here that we all want to know more about. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also, you know, creating possibilities for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And compare it to the previous episode of Pabu where pretty much pretty straightforward, almost I would dare say boring episode except for that first few minutes. And uh, that's why I call it a filler episode because this episode, Tipping Point, is so full of good information, good content, you know, all the things we've talked about. So um, <clears throat> I give this episode definitely a nine. Action, intrigue, uh, character development, reveals, 
<laughs> it's got it all. So and, good. And, just, and questions that just yeah. make you want more. Yeah. You're just like, gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah. There's there's so much good stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. definitely. A nine plus. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's our review of The Tipping Point and Pabu. So we want to invite you guys to, subs- again, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We'd appreciate it. We, we feel like we have good content. Uh, we feel like if you stick around and listen, you'll at least, uh, I don't know if you'll learn anything, but you'll get some good conversation ideas to talk about. So uh, definitely help us out. Subscribe, like the video, comment on the video if you disagree with some of these things we've talked about, which is totally fine because there's a lot of speculation in, in our conversation. Uh, so definitely you know, let us know what you think about all these things that we've talked about. So we'd appreciate it. We'd love to continue the conversation in the comment section or look us up on social media, Credible Nerds, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, you know, start the conversation there. We'd appreciate that. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, may the force be with you guys. May the force be with you always.